Good morning. How are you guys? Awesome. All right, so we are going to be in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. So if you guys can go ahead and start opening your Bibles there. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he may be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we are blessed to serve a God that is relational. We are thankful for your word that it lets us see more of who you are, that it helps us to be in better relationship with you, that it helps us know you and serve you. It's the very thing that gives us purpose in life, God, is just knowing you and serving you. I ask that you be present today, Lord, that my words come from you, that they be truthful to the text, and that they serve to bring your sons in this room closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we start... We, we leave off last week with Jesus on the boat, and now we see where he's going. And we start with the first five verses, and something is very, very clear, and I think it's supposed to stick out to us. The world is unclean. The world is unclean. Jesus steps off the boat in the country of the Gerasenes. The first thing we need to know is that the country of the Gerasenes is a Gentile territory. If you've studied the Bible at all, you've probably noticed that the Jewish people, the Israelites, and the Gentiles did not get along very well. That's an understatement. Um, and a big reason that the Gentiles and the Jewish people did not get along very well is because of the purity culture that was a part of the Israelites' faith. 
So the Israelites were given a lot of commands on how to remain pure. And the consequences for not remaining pure was that they couldn't be in the presence of God. And by extension, they couldn't even be in the presence of fellow Israelites. Now, Gentiles didn't follow follow this law or this code. They ate things that Jewish people thought were unclean. They did things that Jewish people thought were unclean. And the Jewish people wanted no part of it at all. Another way that we see that this is very unclean is it says that Jesus stepped out and into a cemetery. In Jewish law, cemeteries and dead bodies were very unclean. And then moving forward, we see all this talk about this demon-possessed man, which first of all, thank you, Hunter. My first time preaching up here, you want me to preach on demon possession. Easy, easy topic, thank you. <laughs> But this man comes to him with demons in him. And the scripture goes on to talk about the demon-possessed man or the man that had demons or the demons did this. But the first time that we see this man, it says a man came out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. This reoccurring theme, unclean. Now Jesus did a lot of things that were questionable in his day. He hung out with people and was was criticized for that Quite often, he could often be seen hanging out with tax collectors or prostitutes or zealots. And often people, con- people condemned him for that. You hang out with sinners. But what we have here in this text is something way more profound, way more out there, way more risky. Not only is Jesus hanging out with sinners... Jesus is walking into a place, a very foreign territory that's unclean, into a cemetery that's unclean, and then talking to a man with an unclean spirit. The first thing that I see in this text is that the unclean aspects of the world will entice us, and they will make us think that they have something great to offer us. Verses 3 and 4 read, And he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had strength to subdue him. I tried to be physically fit. I like going to the gym, but I don't think I could break a single chain. I can't even like, break a bike lock, right? This man is strong. No one can subdue him. When I read this, I thought, what an amazing view of what I feel like freedom is. Freedom to do what you want. Freedom to pursue anything. No one can stop him. They've tried and he broke free. That sounds awesome. That sounds enticing. That sounds like something I'm interested in, freedom. And then you read the next verse. Verse 5 reads, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. That's not the freedom I signed up for. I think we see in these first verses a picture of, of an unclean world offering us unclean things that may seem enticing. 
but beyond surface level, they will not satisfy us. The result is turmoil, discontentment, grief, pain. What is the unclean world that we live in offering you right now? What temptations may seem enticing to you right now? But we move forward. And thank goodness, because that's not a fun place to be. As I reflect on Jesus being in this place, I think it's clear to see that the disciples were probably really uncomfortable. Now, all the disciples were also mostly Jewish men. They wanted to remain pure and clean in order to be in the presence of God and their fellow Israelites. Yet Jesus led them into an, an unclean territory in a tomb to talk with a man with unclean spirits. Jesus, as a Jewish man, should not have been there. And that's just the part of him that's man. God should not have been there. Isaiah 59.2 reads, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that, no, so that he does not hear. God detests sin, and he detests the unclean. And I remember Adam and Eve in the garden after they ate of the fruit, after they welcomed sin into their lives. And God walked after them in the garden. He walked among them calling out, where are you? Where are you? God hates sin and we have sin in us and God still pursues us. And that's the picture of, of Jesus that we get to see here. In verse 6, we see the man running out of the tombs and falling at the feet of Jesus. He cries out with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I was actually meeting with college students a few weeks ago, and one of the college students from, from Tribe Fellowship, our ministry to William and Mary, looked at me and said, You know, you make us feel really guilty when we don't come to Tribe Fellowship. And I didn't, know, I didn't really know what to do with that. So what I did is I went home and I actually read through all of my text messages to all these students. And I kept thinking, I don't know what I did to make them feel guilty. I don't know how I made them feel guilty. I don't want them to, to feel guilty. And then a few days later, I was asking a student who had volunteered for something if that student could meet with me later that day. She said, oh, I already have plans. I can't meet with you. That's fine. Don't cancel your plans. And then an hour later, I get a text message. Hey, you made me feel really guilty, so I canceled my plans, and I'll meet you, I'll meet you at 2 o'clock at the coffee shop. I thought, I reread the text. I said, don't cancel your plans. This is really last minute. We can meet another time. So why? Why are these students feeling guilty? What made that student cancel her plans? I think what we see is that the presence of the Lord or the Lord's will or the Lord's word of God makes us acutely aware of our shortcomings at his feet. This man with the unclean spirit came 
and kneeled at Jesus' feet. Demons kneeling at Jesus' feet. What have you to do with me, son of the most high God? Wow. James 2.19 reads, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So far, we have seen that we live in an unclean world with unclean desires and that Jesus is not afraid of the unclean but breaks status quo to come into the unclean and encounter it. And then he speaks. He speaks and the demons leave the man. Last week, I know that we saw Jesus on a boat with his disciples as there's this huge storm going on. Jesus, don't you care about us? And he speaks, and the calm, the storm calms. We see Jesus' power here. Here at the chapel, we're actually going through the whole Bible in one year, and we're looking at the story, God's story of creation, rebellion, redemption, and new creation with Jesus at the center. And I think we see it all right here. We have creation, God's son, not Jesus, his other son that's right here, made in his image, creation. We see rebellion as he lives in an unclean world with unclean spirits in him as a result of the fall and sin. And now we see redemption as Jesus speaks and the demons flee from him. And we see new creation as we continue on in the story. One thing that I love about this passage is the aspect of just God's voice being used. In, in John 9, 6, we see a healing that Jesus does, and he uses mud on the man's eyes to make him see. And I, I just think about how God spoke in Genesis, the very universe into creation, and God used mud to make the very first man. And here we have a beautiful image of Jesus speaking to create new creation. At this point in our narrative today, as I was preparing, I got all reflective. And I thought about what this story means for me. I am in this foreign territory. I am in a cemetery with death and pain and suffering all around me. And Jesus comes, and when he looks at me, he sees a man with an unclean spirit. But thank goodness that there's one man who never had an unclean spirit. One man who was not affected by the temptations of sin or even when he was tempted, was able to resist better than any other man could because he is God. I'm very grateful that even though I have an unclean spirit, God came to earth and walked in the unclean world to encounter me, to redeem me, and to make me a new creation. As we move forward, we get to verse 14 through 20, and we get to see the response 
the response to Christ as he cleanses this man. The first response we see is the herdsman. The herdsman fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came and they saw the demon-possessed man in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they were afraid. This is actually the same response that we saw from the disciples last chapter as God calmed the storm. They trembled. Who is this man that even the storm obeys him? And I see a beautiful contrast between an encounter with Jesus once you have a relationship with him and an encounter with Jesus if you don't know him. Yesterday, we were in a meeting talking about kind of our reading as a staff. We're reading through the whole Bible right now as well, going through the E100, Essential 100 Stories. And we got to the plagues in Egypt and God's power, and I thought to myself, when is the last time that I truly trembled at how mighty God is? He is mighty, and he is sovereign. He has power. But it should be power it should be that fear that drives us towards God, not away from him. The herdsmen did not have that relationship with God. They were afraid of him. One of my favorite books is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And in this book, you see a picture of a bunch of people who've already passed away from this world, and they're in hell. And first, C.S. Lewis says, this isn't what I actually believe happens after death. But in this story... There's a bus, and every single day the bus leaves hell and goes to heaven, and anybody can ride it any day they want, and when they get to heaven, if they want to, they can stay there. Awesome. I don't know why anyone wouldn't choose that. But what the book follows is it follows these characters who are, who are leaving hell, arriving in heaven, and as they arrive in heaven, a loved one from their life will come out and meet them and just convince them to stay. And character after character after character, they walk away from heaven and go back to their seat on the bus and wait to return to hell. And the whole book is just a commentary on how we reject Christ. One man is a scholar, very wise, a professor. And he goes up and he says, does God need me here? Does he need my mind, my brilliant mind? And the person that he knew says, no, God doesn't need you here, but he wants you here. And the man turned his back. I want to go where I'm needed. Another person comes up and, and the person that they knew in their life comes out to meet them and it was a murderer. And he said, how did you get here? You killed somebody. And the man said, I did. <laughs> and I'm sorry for it. And I've repented and I've been made clean in the same way that you can repent and be made clean. And the man says, a God that can forgive you, I want no part of. And gets on the bus to return to hell. These herdsmen witnessed a miracle. They witnessed a man driven to torment through unclean spirits in him, and they witnessed him in his right mind afterwards and wanted no part of it. 
there are people that we know who are responding the same way to the miracle of Christ's life. The other response that we see is of the man who had been possessed. And it's a complete 180. This man is excited. Jesus has saved his life. He has made him clean. And so what does he do? He goes to Jesus and says, let me go with you. And when I read this, I was like, of course, Jesus would say, come with me. Follow me. That's what he wants. He wants us to follow him. But Jesus doesn't let him. He makes him stay. And I, would, I thought to myself, why? This man wants to follow you. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. There's a lot of pain in our world. <laughs> yeah. Newsflash. Um, there's a lot of pain in our world. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of stuff going on that I don't like. And I think it's easy for me to look at Jesus and say, if the whole reason that I'm alive is to serve you and to know you, great. I know you. Take me. But he doesn't. We don't get to know God and leave this earth to go be with him right away. And in the same way, this man got to know Christ but Christ still had him on mission in the same way that we are left here on this earth on a mission. Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. We have loved ones that don't know him. And God wants us to go and tell them how much the Lord has done for us and how he has had mercy on us. I think something worth noting is that throughout most of Mark, as Jesus heals people, he tells them not to tell anyone. It's the messianic secret. Don't tell anyone what I've done for you here. Not this time. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. It's important to recognize that this is Gentile territory. And often we think that Paul is the first person sent out to the Gentiles to go make disciples of them. But here we have the first missionary to the Gentiles. A man with unclean spirits who's been made clean to go and share the mercy that the Lord has shown on him. Bringing people to Christ was more important than the secret he was keeping and waiting to reveal. And Jesus would not leave that Gentile territory without giving the people that were still there an opportunity to know him, to love him, to serve him. I want to leave you guys with three questions. And then I'm going to pray for us. The first question is one that I asked earlier. How is this unclean world trying to entice you? What is it selling you on? Is it telling you that it's offering you freedom, a sense of control, success, wealth, that freedom that the man thought he was getting with the ability to break shackles? 
What lies is the world telling you? The second question is, have you not only acknowledged Jesus as Lord, but have you repented to him and submitted to him as Lord? Even the demons believe and shudder. It's not enough to know he's God. It's not enough to know he's Lord and powerful. We have to repent and submit to him as the Lord of our life. And the last question, who is God telling you to go and tell about what he's done for you and the mercy he's shown? We have loved ones, brothers, sisters, parents, children, friends, that don't know what Christ has done for them and for us. And Jesus wants them to know. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for being a God willing to come into an unclean territory, surrounded by death and pain and hurt, to walk up to men with unclean spirits. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak. We thank you that you redeem us, that you make us clean. Help us. Help us to share what you've done, Lord. Help us to bring this to the loved ones that we have in our life, God. We want to serve you. We want to know you. And we want others to know you. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to go out and share your word. In Jesus' name, amen.